Welcome to Lost in the Supermarket. Today, we're going to explore how does food affect our moods. Joining me is Amy Fox, certified nutritionist and founder of the Food and Mood Lab, to explain just how our food choices affect our performance. Amy's mission is simple, to educate everyone about how our food choices affect our moods, our health, and our vitality. She has a Master of Science in Food and Nutrition Sciences. And Amy, welcome to Lost in the Supermarket. Thank you so much. It's uh, great to be here, Phil. I appreciate, again, the opportunity to, anytime I can be talking about food and feeling good, it's always uh, just a fun fun way to spend my time. Well, it's it's important, especially as we're you know coming out of the pandemic. I don't want to say we're totally out of it yet, even though everybody has said you know, um, I think that when people were shut in for so long, uh, they they seemed to gravitate towards a lot of junk food because it was there or available on our supermarket shelves. Um, and, you know, when I look at studies from the American Psychological Association and other groups, I mean, people are in a bad mood. They're depressed. They don't want to go yeah. into supermarkets. They don't want to work into supermarkets, which is why having you join us, you know, is just so important. Let's start out by talking about what the Food and Mood Lab is um, and how you're using it to educate people about our food choices. Yeah, sure. So Food and Mood is my passion project. It's really an opportunity for me to um, provide awareness and education about the power of food because we we truly are what we eat and when i I believe when you are feeling good and you've got energy and you can focus um it just starts to trickle down in every way that you show up in life and there's just so much information out on the internet and social media and it's confusing for most people i mean almost every week it feels like there's a new uh, a new stick on what you should eat or, or what you shouldn't eat or a new diet or a new fad and while we have so much more information that's easily accessible right at our fingertips we just keep getting unhealthier and unhealthier and so um, i am just yeah and i'm just super passionate about the topic um for personal reasons and um and so i've been informally learning and uh, really living this and decided years ago to formalize that and uh, get my master's and really start to help people. And I think the way that I can do that best is by having conversations with people like you, sharing content in simple, easy ways and just kind of breaking through all that noise with just simplicity and just in really focusing more on like how we feel uh, less than diets or um, or just all-in type of plans. So the Food and Mood Lab is really a, a source, a place, a hub for people to go to, to um, collaborate, to share, to learn, uh, and also to get some recipes and ways to um, just kind of activate the thinking and make it a lifestyle that is easy to stick with. Because that's really the key. Is, you know, can you, can you, do you want to reach for those foods or explore those new areas of the supermarket do you want to be doing that because if you're not going to want to do it you just won't do it so that's my um that's my passion right now so this morning um i had the occasion to read in the washington post a really interesting and disturbing article 
and I've, I've been disturbed uh, for probably the past three or four months about this whole trend um, of Ozempic and where people are losing weight, um, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Um, in fact, the author um, talked about the fact that she's lost 40 pounds um, mm -hmm. on Ozempic. She has a friend who lost 75 pounds on it. So when I when I read these things, I'm really concerned that we're not really changing behavior. And right. again, I am not a scientist. I don't develop medications, and this might have no effect whatsoever, uh, bad effect um, on people. But I'd be curious to know, you know, how you think about these these diet drugs. I mean, yes, they're designed yeah. for uh, for diabetes, but you know, they're getting approval as diet drugs. How that changes everything? Because yes, we know that obesity. Um, leads to cancer and heart disease and diabetes and all kinds of things. So you've got a whole fraction of people who are saying, well, let's take the drug to avoid those health concerns. But I'm concerned about the people themselves. And especially um, as as you talk about food and mood, um, the, yeah. the writer of this column was talking about, oh, now she's in a much better mood because people are saying, oh, you, you know, you really look good and, and stuff like that. Um, how does this whole play out in your brain? You know, to me, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's complicated and I think it's a little controversial right now. Um, and I think because there are people who, well, let me take a step back. The drug has been through cl clinical trials and it's been, you know, sh yep. shown to be effective uh, for weight loss, but for a specific target audience. And I think what we're seeing here is um, people who uh, um, want uh, a quicker fix and want to just lose weight and may not have, may not necessarily, some people may not qualify uh, for the clinical reasons and benefits um, by getting their hands on it. And then it's making it harder for the people who could really benefit from it to get access to, to these types of drugs. So um, it, it, it concerns me for the same reasons because um, it's not, it, and actually I've had flashbacks to my younger years or watching my mom with some of the old like diet drugs that were on the market. Um, and it reminds me of that because it's a fix. It's, um, it's not changing behavior and helping you to understand um, the, the, the choices you can be making long-term because we all probably have read the same things. If you've read that, what happens when you go off the drug? Um, yep. So uh, yeah, it's, it's um, I think it's complicating matter because people continue to think, might there be a pill or and there is, I've also read there are many other options like these that they're trying to get approved um, that are a little bit easier to get your hands on and not um, injection based. So, um, but I don't think it gets at the root issue. And um, again, for certain people, absolutely, it can have a huge benefit and be a lifesaver. People who mm -hmm. are obese or in dealing with other chronic health conditions that are a result of that. So it has, um, it's exciting for those reasons for the people that could really use them and perhaps um, gain back years that they might not have or have a little bit of an easier path um, getting healthier. But for the people who want to just a quicker path to just lose weight and look skinnier, um, have you heard about the Ozempic face? People are saying that there's a, uh, mm -hmm. a look that you can now tell. Um, 
So unfortunately, I live in a community yeah. that I don't see a lot of people on the brick, but um, yeah, I'm all about it, as you can probably tell by what you've looked at and just what I've shared about the Food and Mood Lab. I mean, it's about sustainable, healthy habits long term and simplifying um, simplifying the journey uh, along that way. And so I'm, I'm aligned with you. I have very similar concerns about it. And um, it'll be interesting and maybe even scary to see what happens because we don't know the long-term effects of these types of drugs yet. So, um, and, and I think that, I think that you know, out. and I think emotionally it, it could do more damage. So, so let's talk about um, real emotions, real moods and real food and, and how those intersect with each other. So if I have um, an apple, for example, yeah. I happen to like apples. Um, if I have an apple um, and I take a bite out of it, I feel good. And, you know, let's let's go beyond the apple. What are the kinds of foods that we yeah. should be consuming to put us in better moods? Because, you know, it's probably not caffeine um, and and it's probably not, you know, soft drinks. OK, <laughs> Yeah, occasionally I got to get the caffeine, especially, uh, yeah, but I, I hear you. And you're right. I mean, think about a situation that you've been in where you've um, had a, you've enjoyed yourself over a weekend or you've had a, and, and you've just enjoyed yourself and had some of the foods that are either sugary or fried. I mean, sometimes, you know, we do have those foods and most of the time people um, feel like they have, potentially feel like they have a, hangover of sorts or the blues even when you have had a day or a period of time where you've eaten more unhealthy choices or just kind of binged a little bit. And that's absolutely a real thing. And how literally the food that you choose to eat um, has a direct impact on how you feel. And it might be helpful to just highlight before we get to the foods, just some of the mechanisms or what's happening there um, just to help any listener understand that there truly is some science behind this and it you know there's there's not 100% certainty about these mechanisms of actions but there's enough data and evidence that is allowing us to make some uh, conclusions or have some good insights that nutrition um, and what's happening in the gut microbiome it is is part of the answer and, and definitely part of the process. Um, so when we decide if we're having ultra processed foods, so foods like um, that are made like in fast food restaurants or foods that are um, uh, that have a lot of ingredients, they're boxed or bags, and you start to see ingredients that you a long list or a list of things that you can't quite pronounce. Uh, those are a great way to identify ultra processed foods. And some of the toxins, because a lot of those foods, especially a lot of those foods are, um, they're made with manufactured ingredients, not whole foods, whole ingredients, um, not nutrition, nutrition, nutrient dense type of ingredients. And so there are toxins and they leak through your intestines and they get in your bloodstream and there's a, there's leakage that happens and it affects your whole body and actually can pass through the blood brain barrier. And just eventually what happens is people start to, if this is happening a lot, you start to experience chronic inflammation. And um, enough research is out there that we know that um, chronic inflammation 
triggers depression. It's almost like an allergic reaction for the body and it triggers symptoms of anxiety. So the other thing that might be happening though, is that depending on the combination of foods you eat, if you're eating foods that are super sugary or really um, heavy carbohydrates or high volume of carbohydrates, your blood sugar spike. And the body is super intelligent and reacts, your pancreas um, creates insulin to keep your body in balanced in homeostasis. That's the goal of the body. But when we have these big peaks, these high peaks or frequent peaks of blood sugar spikes, um, the it affects the body. And it can, we then, the, the pancreas has to keep producing insulin to bring that down. And it just, it gets overworked. And um, we can start to feel a crash. You kind of feel that fog or those lows and these depression-like symptoms. There's definitely real um, physiological uh, aspects and mechanisms of action that are happening in the body. It's not just a thing that we think of in our head. But um, does that, yeah, give you a little bit of background? Yeah. Yeah. Earlier this week, um, we did two stories that I want to get your take on as well. Sure. Um, one was the new Mexican dietary um, guidelines, which mm -hmm. I found to be fabulous, and I wish we had those. Um, one of them was to avoid alcohol. And mm -hmm. second story that we did was about the non-alcoholic beer movement, which mm -hmm. has grown by eight times what it was. And then there was an analysis of those people who are drinking non-alcoholic beers. Yeah. And it turns out that they're exercising more. They're happier. They're listening to more, you know, webcasts and podcasts like this. You know, it just seems to turn things around. What's your take on alcohol and mood? And, you know, is it a depressant? Is it uplifting to people? What's going on? Well, I mean, there's nothing good about alcohol. It's ethanol and it's toxic. And I think uh, in the more and more we see, I mean, the World Health Organization came out earlier this year and said, in fact, no amount of alcohol is good for you. Um, you're going to continue to see a huge trend of um, just this, the continued sober curious movement, the continued movement of non-alcoholic and just um, alcohol-free types of liquors. I mean, you can see it by the economics and the financials of what, what you sort of project this industry. Um, there's a lot out there. They're, they're equating it to the plant-based movement even, even greater. And, you know, um, I'm a, I, I, I always say I drink what I want when I want. Um, but as I continue to get more educated and understand the risks and how literally one to two glasses of my wine that I used to enjoy can a week can take years off my life. Um, and when you really start to get into the data on how, why, why were we, why were we told that wine is healthy for us? I mean, there's just that's a whole nother topic and how. Um, well, because the wine industry paid for those studies. That's why. Well, and you peel back the onion on yeah. who they were studying. Right. Uh, the people, right. that, that's a, that's interesting. But so, yes, I mean, there, when you consume alcohol, uh, your, you initially feel this period of this little lift and your brain is artificially producing dopamine. And um, you're, as we talked about, your body always want to be in balance. 
uh, the brain starts to compensate and excrete other hormones to bring it back in balance. And um, without getting too scientific, you're in, and there are as a pro processes that are happening that um, increase cortisol levels um, and um, uh, other um, other types of hormones and processes that happen that actually make you feel lower. And so it's really only the first twenty minutes you feel good, and then to get back up. You have to keep drinking have to take more. more, and you you just have to keep drinking more. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's amazing uh, what happens when you just put something else in that glass. And um, I always tell because I I'm a big fan of mocktails, and I'm a big fan of I mean the alcohol free beer that's on the market, and now some of the wines. I mean, you honestly can't even tell. And once you have something in the glass, usually. Um, that that need and that craving usually passes. It's all about ritual and routine for most people. Yep. Um, and uh, most people within a few weeks of just experimenting with going alcohol-free experience some amazing benefits from skin to sleep. I personally, um, I, have, uh, I have reduced my alcohol consumption greatly because I um, have just found after educating myself a little bit and paying attention to how I really feel, um, I, I get it. My, it. It triggers my anxiety and oftentimes I can't sleep. And that's a, that rolls into every, every aspect of my life. And so it's just a beverage that when you start to get educate yourself on uh, the real data behind um, what we're putting into our bodies and the potential risks, um, it's uh, it's really eye opening, and I think when you, my 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 thoughts are when you start to really educate yourself and you increase your awareness, it starts to it flip that flips that switch, and then uh, increases your desire to want to think about making changes. So um, I often share a lot about the real the data on alcohol and the science behind it because um, it's just it's it's one of those things in our society that. It's just, um, it's expected that alcohol is going to be in a lot of events and just be a part of our life. And I'm excited to see where, just see how things are changing. And I think it also helps that you've got a lot of celebrities out there who are also sharing their alcohol-free journey, people that um, you wouldn't expect that are going alcohol-free and, and people who are, you know, Katy Perry's got a whole brand and and I think Blake mm -hmm. Lively does of uh, 0% or alcohol-free liquor up. So it's, it's, uh, it, it's, I don't think it's going away. No, I don't either. In fact, um, funny thing, you're talking about celebrities with alcohol. So Mark Wahlberg um, actually is a major investor in a tequila brand, but he has now stopped drinking um, as much of, of his own tequila that yeah. he loves. Um, he did it initially for Lent. And now um, he's saying that he might go back to drinking in June or July, but probably not as much. So last question, if there's one thing that you would like um, every listener to do when it comes to making good food choices to help their moods, what would it be? Oh, man, I think that's a great question. Uh, am I limited to one? No, you can have two. You can have two. I can have two. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of the things that I would consider, especially it's about how you feel. Um, I think the two that I would pick, I would pick, um, I, let's stick with the alcohol thing. So you might be a person, I'm saying you generally as your listener, that um, maybe has an occasional glass of wine or beer, or I, I would just, I'd experiment with limiting and reducing your consumption and just see what happens. 
Um, I just know, I know a lot of people, I coach a lot of people and uh, who uh, want to have some weight loss or just want to feel better. And before we do any sort of planning, we look at lifestyle habits and nine times out of 10, even just the reduction of wine or alcohol, they start to feel amazing. They literally feel joy and awe. I mean, beyond just the weight dropping off and sleeping better, they are more engaged with their family. They have more energy. And I've done nothing but help to encourage just just try, like take a 10 calorie athletic brewing beer and put that in your koozie, just see one night. And they start to get hooked on that feeling. So, and it doesn't, I, I'm also a big fan of you do you, but you know, Maybe you don't give it up forever, but you just you try experiment with just a limiting or making a choice one night, and um, people are amazed. <laughs> they have no idea what the other side looks like. So I think there's a there's space and there's room for people to experiment, even if you are a wine or an, or an alcohol drinker. In fact, when I talked to you a little bit about those statistics about mm-hmm. the alcohol free um, kind of wellness trends, the study that um, I saw. It's like a Nielsen or some sort of data I saw in the beginning of the year. It showed that the people who are buying alcohol-free options, those are people who also have beer and wine in their basket. So there's this movement of just experimenting. So that's definitely a message I'd love to send to your listeners. And then I would also share, if you want to feel better, I would make sure you either overhauling or you're really checking in on that first meal of the day. Some people fast, so maybe it's brunch or lunch, but that first meal of the day, we need to make sure that it's got protein. A lot of people might even think that a bowl of oatmeal is healthy. And even if it is whole oats, you got to make sure there's protein in there. If you've got protein paired with good carbs, that first meal of the day sets the tone for the rest of the day. You end up, that's how you avoid those mid-afternoon cravings and crashes is making sure that first meal you've got good solid like lean protein choices and you've got good carbs but most importantly start your day with some protein so that's um that's a a, a definitely a, a practice that will help you to feel satiated reduce the cravings keep your energy more consistent so um, that's a tip that um, I, I'd love to leave uh, listeners with. Well, Amy, you've got great insights, great knowledge, and we appreciate you being on Lost in the Supermarket today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to come back sometime and have more conversations. I love uh, riffing on these kinds of topics. Always welcome. Always welcome.